Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScrutinRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob, Jacob Rude. Um, I've been sick, been a little sick, just been chugging DayQuil, and then when DayQuil, DayQuil wasn't doing anything, I moved on to Robitussin, and that helped <laughs> uh, significantly more in combination with some cough drops. I'm over, like, the being sick part. I feel good, but I have, like... This backup of, I don't know what, whatever fluids are in my, like, throat or whatever. It, it feels weird. So if at any point of the show I, I sound a little backed up, it's because I am. Uh, I will try <laughs> to mute myself if any of that comes up because I would not like you guys to hear me um, basically hawking a loogie. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, lots of stuff to talk about. It, uh... We obviously didn't pod last week with Sunday being 4th of July. I, too, got sick, so maybe this podcast is some type of, like, medicine or something we didn't know that we needed. So hopefully having you guys back uh, means that we'll both be healthy in this next week. And hopefully we don't get you guys sick. I think if we would have potted last week, I think some of our listeners would have been sick because Jacob claims I got him sick over Zoom. (laughs) I, uh... I was doing all right. I could kind of feel a little bit of a stuffy nose. Uh, we hadn't heard from Christian in a while. Uh, he shows up, and he, he was rough. Right. And, and that was one, That was at night. I go to bed, and I didn't wake up the next day until, like, 1 o'clock because I was just done with. So I don't think that's a coincidence, to be honest. <laughs> uh, exciting weekend of sports. Obviously, the NBA Finals are going on, uh, but we will not start there because it would not be a Can You Dig It podcast if it were <laughs> not for Jacob and I going on some tangent about the most major uh, European soccer competition or just soccer competition in general going on. And obviously, for those that follow, this past weekend was both the finals for the Copa America and also the Euros. Uh, the Copa America final took place on Saturday. And as a lifelong Barcelona fan, I was nearly brought to tears <laughs> seeing Messi win uh, his first ever, you can believe it, international trophy with Argentina. Uh, I don't know how you couldn't get emotional as a sports fan. We're going to try to provide you guys some NBA comparisons for this throughout because... I mean, to be honest, there's not a lot going on. The finals game tonight uh, was not good. Uh, Milwaukee came back. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit later, but we're going to try to tie all this into basketball somehow. Um, but show, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's the offseason. Like, you, this is – what else did you expect? Um, but I do yeah, want to say this segment so, was inspired – by our friend Raj, Unwritten Rules. I don't know if I <laughs> told comp. you this, but <laughs> that man asks for an NBA comp for everything. It could be like, I don't know, an, an episode of Loki, and you'd be like, what's what's the NBA comp for 
Mobius. <laughs> if Raj doesn't listen to this, I'm going to be very upset. I'm going to spam him <laughs> with this link in his mentions all day on Monday. Um, but yeah, the the messy one is kind of hard to do a comparison with because, I mean, this has been he's arguably I'll be kind and say arguably the greatest ever soccer player. Mm-hmm. Um. With soccer, it's a little different because there's, like, club competitions and international that hold the same kind of prestige, which isn't necessarily the case in the NBA uh, or with basketball just because America's been so dominant. Um, Messi had won everything with his club, but there was kind of this monkey on his back with the international stuff because he never won a major trophy. Um and he finally does that on Saturday, not just winning a major trophy. They beat their biggest rival, Brazil, at in Brazil is where the tournament was hosted, in their like most historic stadium. I believe it was only the second time since like the 50s uh, that Brazil had lost an official game um, in that stadium in the Copa America. So... Uh, if you guys haven't seen, just watch kind of the final moment when they blow the whistle to end the game because Messi just kind of falls to his knees and starts crying, and every single Argentina player ran to him. Scenes, um, absolute yeah. scenes. It, I mean, if you don't get goosebumps watching it, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you because, like, you can just tell how much it meant to everybody to win that for him. Um, it was such like a, a weird talking point. It was something that detractors always used against him. He hasn't won a major trophy with Argentina. They had gotten so close so many times in so many competitions and lost in the final. Um, so it was, it was nice as just kind of a neutral soccer fan to see him finally win that trophy, kind of get that monkey off his back. And then, the celebrations <laughs> into the night. Imagine, just imagine what it would be like uh, if the Lakers won a title in Boston, like a, a game seven. Uh, just imagine how much they would celebrate in Boston. Right. That's what that's what Argentina was doing after the game last night. So the honestly, the only comparison I came with came up with is not a real scenario. It's a hypothetical scenario, like. Imagine Michael Jordan accomplished everything he did at the NBA level. But when it came to the Olympic level, every time he was with Team USA, he just could not get it done. Like, for one reason or another, they they came close. They made the gold medal game one year, but they just couldn't get it done. And then in 2002, at the Olympics, he finally does it. Like, not exactly in the prime of his career, but it's still obviously one of the best players in the world. Um. Michael Jordan retired in 2003. I don't anticipate Messi's going to retire anytime soon. Uh, But we're definitely near the end of his career. So if Michael Jordan, being as great as he was, but the only knock on him was that there were players that were in the greatest of all time conversation that had won Olympic gold medals with Team USA, and he didn't get his until 2002, a year before he retired. Um, I mean, that's really the only comparison i can make um because it really is 
one of the greatest to ever play the sport, just being unable to do something that is so arbitrary, but also mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, to some people, I guess, important in that debate. The only other thing I compare it to is maybe Curry and like finals MVP, but that's su- suggesting Curry's like in the GOAT conversation. I, I love Steph, but I, I don't think that's a like for like comparison. Yeah, there's there's not going to be a like for like. The only thing I could really think of, and this kind of ties back to current events, is in some ways it's like Chris Paul, um, right? Where Chris Paul is just he's at the tail end of his career. Everybody considers him a top, definitely a top five point guard all time, um, and now he's finally getting to that apex. Um, Although obviously they lost on on Sunday night, but the two games in Phoenix, he was incredible, um, and that's how this tournament was for Messi. He he won the player of the tournament, had the most goals, had the most assists, and won the tournament. Um, and I mean, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what Chris Paul has done with this team. I I don't imagine he's leading them in scoring, mm-hmm. but everything else. Um, he has, I mean, he was the one that got the MVP votes. He was the one that was closing out um, the Western Conference Finals. Like, he was the one in those big moments uh, a lot of times in the last couple of rounds, especially that Clippers series. Um, he was the one kind of closing them out. So that's the only thing I could really come up with. It's hard to do a... Uh, a like for like comparison because like I, like I said America's always dominated international so it doesn't right. really matter to any sort of degree like it does for soccer like in soccer international play is so wide open um which I I maybe international play is wide open in basketball now after USA lost to Nigeria um shout out to Woj I didn't watch any of that game I didn't even know they were playing until Woj fired off a tweet calling USA night. If not, had he worded, if Nigeria beats USA, it'd be one of the biggest upsets in uh, international basketball history. I'm like, fam, nobody had a clue this exhibition going on. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. I, I couldn't believe they lost my, my, I was talking to my younger brother this morning and he's like, who does, who does Nigeria have? And who does Team USA have? I was like, well, I, I know Team USA has Lillard, Durant, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo. He's like, oh, that, that's that's really interesting that they lost. And I was like, indeed. Indeed the, it is. Uh, <laughs> shout out to former Laker coaching legend Mike Bram. For, uh, he's the coach of Nigeria. Um, I, I know they had uh, Precious Achuwu or Achua, I don't know how you say that, um, because he's the one that, <laughs> that had the big block on Durant and uh, posted the the picture, I think, on his Instagram, saying you're not that guy. Um, shout out for him. Talk that talk. Did you watch any of that game, mainly the final play? I did, yeah. I, I watched uh, the fourth quarter of that game. I... So I again, I didn't turn it tune into it until Woj fired off that tweet. 
that final play was bizarre as hell watching uh, Damian Lillard just kind of dribble around <laughs> waiting on Zach Levine to come off a screen. I don't think I've ever seen Damian Lillard dribble the ball around like that, kind of aimlessly waiting in that situation in my life. And I don't have a clue why Zach Levine was the one they were trying to have come off a screen. <laughs> um, the next The next game is so fun to think about. Like, because there's so many ways we can go about this. But let's just talk about the head-to-head matchup first. England versus Italy. Um, I'm not going to pretend that England were the favorites going into the tournament because uh, I think that was very much France and Portugal. Uh, but they were one of the favorites for sure. Like on paper, I think they had more depth than anybody but France, uh, who, for those of you that don't know, France won the world last World Cup. Um, some of you might know who Kylian Mbappe is. They're, they're legit. They're such a good team. And I was stunned that they didn't make the final. Anyway, um, and Italy is an interesting case because leading up to this tournament, they went on like an unbeaten run against like lesser teams. And I don't think too many people paid much mind to it because of the level of competition that their unbeaten streak um, was against, like the teams they were beating. But they were a hot team going into this tournament. So the comp, and just in terms of like competition, both team, both teams comparison, the closest thing I can think of recent example is probably the Clippers and Nuggets. Cause the Nuggets in the bubble were on like a crazy hot streak and everybody was like, okay, well this is just a bubble. It's Jamal Murray like playing absolutely out of his mind and um, this is a team who, in years the the years prior, just had not been able to get over that hump in the in the second round and make the jump to an elite team. Obviously, it's different because it's not in the finals. This was the championship game, but I think the same feeling that one I I think the Clippers again weren't the overwhelming favorites, but were certainly one of the favorites because of the depth they had and um. Seeing the Nuggets beat the Clippers and win that series was another one of those, like, I could see it happening because of the way they played, but it was still so shocking to see it happen. And I had that same feeling watching Italy and England today. It's, I mean, watch the the specific matchup today. um, You could almost in some ways compare it to the Bucks and Suns. Mm -hmm. Um where the Suns or Italy, the Suns have had, the problem is Italy has won uh, a lot of trophies. Right. Um, they just have been, I think 06 was their last major trophy, but they didn't qualify for the last World Cup. Like all all the good teams didn't qualify. Um, that's, that's what the real teams did. Uh, but they didn't qualify for the last World Cup, so... Uh, I guess it similarly is kind of how the Suns were tanking, and then um, the Suns spent this season playing really well, and everybody just kind of overlooked them, and including Lakers fans. Uh, and then they just went on a tear through the playoffs. So I think in some ways you could compare the Suns to Italy, mm-hmm. and then 
the Bucks are, um, I mean, again, and it's England has had a lot of, have ha, has had success, but it was a long time ago, and that's similar to the Bucks who have a title, but it was a long time ago, um, and now they're this team that they couldn't get over the hump for a while. England made it to the semifinals of the World Cup, but they lost. Um, but they were this kind of fun young team that um, were considered one of the favorites and finally got over that hump. A little bit of an easier road. I wouldn't say the Bucks have had an easy road in the playoffs. Um, beating that Nets team was impressive. But uh, a little bit of an easier road for England. But they both get to the final. Um, and again, as a neutral fan, I was just it was just a fun matchup to see because it was two teams – two countries that haven't really won anything uh, particularly particularly recently. Um, so it was a fun game to watch. And I, I've kind of felt that way about the NBA Finals. Like, it's two teams who haven't won. You're going to see new people named champions. Um, so that was kind of the comparison I had. Again, trying to, as best I can, tie this back to current basketball. Yeah, yeah. Uh... It's so it's so crazy. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks last won the finals in 1971. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the English soccer team has not won a major trophy in 55 years. Like my aunt came in while we were watching the game. She's like, so who, who is the underdog here? I said, well, <laughs> Italy has uh, won a World Cup in my lifetime. And uh, so it would mean a lot for English soccer fans if, if they won today. However, that does not make <laughs> them the underdogs. By no means are they the underdogs. I, I don't know how old Chiellini is. Uh, is he 36? 142, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's really, he, really old. He is 36. Yeah, he's 36. He's LeBron, but LeBrons aren't typical in top-flight European football. <clears throat> like, yeah. I mean, LeBrons aren't typical in the NBA either. Yeah, I, that was going to be my comeback. <laughs> LeBrons just aren't typical. Uh, it's him and Chiellini. I've always said Chiellini is the LeBron of of uh, European football. Yeah, they Italy was... Uh, kind of built on a really strong defense. It's interesting. I didn't pay attention to the betting lines beforehand. I don't know who would have been the favorite in this, uh, in this contest because the the final took place in England in Wembley Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was overwhelmingly uh, English fans. I think only a thousand people from Italy could come to the game because of COVID restrictions. So, like, the only Italian fans at the game were, like, U.K.-based Italians. Um, They still had a lot of people. But that was very, very, very much a home game for England. Um, I mean, the whole tournament has been. The only... The only way, like, the Bucks comparison with England would work better is, like, if... (laughs) If basketball was, like, basically invented in Milwaukee... And right, right, right. And like, because more or less soccer was invented. I don't know if it was technically invented in England, but its roots 
are in England, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's spread everywhere. So, it, if basketball was invented in Milwaukee <laughs> and then uh, it eventually spread like that, then that would be the only way the comparison would work better. But, um, yeah, it, that game was. Again, it was another game where, like, you really didn't even need to be a soccer fan right, to enjoy that game, especially any penalty shootout is, like, exhilarating to watch, honestly. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought up the shootout because that is the other direction you can go with making comps to this. And this is more of a general comp. There's no historical precedent for this in basketball because it would be insane, absolutely nuts. And I, my jaw was on the floor. When I saw who was taking the pens for England today. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to say I laughed at the thought of Celtics fans chanting it's coming home. Uh, <laughs> like them adopting it. That would be... Yeah, I, I will avoid the comparisons, but that would be <laughs> that would be very apropos is all I'll say. Um, so... But before it was clear that the game was going into pens, there was like three, five minutes left, not including stoppage. Uh, Derek Southgate, the manager of England, subs in Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho, who had not played all game. Again, going into extra time in a soccer game, it's 120 minutes in. Cold, cold, cold legs. Um, but they're good penalty takers, at least in theory, or historically speaking, they've been good penalty takers and um they took penalties all right they're one of the people that that took penalties <laughs> uh they both missed um one one Rashford had his shot hit the crossbar Sancho just had his shot blocked straight up um the one okay the one that interests me the most and the one I don't think has a precedent for none of this does but to have a 19-year-old Bakayo Saka take the most important shot the country, anybody in that country has taken in several years, it would have been massive several for them to decades. win this trophy. Um, the, yeah, like, I was trying to think of if there's really been anything like that. There isn't even, like, a young player... To like compare him to like the way the penalty shootout plays out is that um, it gets to the final person for England and there are any number of names. I have some comparisons for Gareth Southgate here in a minute, Um, but it gets to uh, the last taker, which depending on how you want to use your strategy, a lot of times the teams will save their best for last because those are the most high pressure situation. England did the opposite and put their best takers first, mm-hmm. which further shows how bad it is that two of those four had their penalties saved. Uh, so up, up steps this 19-year-old Saka. 19-year-olds, uh, in the NBA, 19-year-olds, it's become common almost for them to perform well. Um, like Lamelo, Zion, those types of guys. Um, he the Saka is not a Lamelo or a Zion, but he's a really really good prospect. But he just 
that was so much pressure. I don't even know. It would be 19, like you had nineteen you have years to, old, a baby, a child. Yeah, it's like if you got fouled um, as time expired, like in a NBA Finals game, an elimination game, um, and you're down two points, and you have to hit both free throws to send the game to overtime. And up steps. I don't, honestly don't even know who you, what player you could put in there to just kind of show the magnitude. It would have to be like a rookie, some type of rookie that, uh, like an Anthony Edwards or something, steps right. to the line, needing to hit two free throws in an NBA Finals elimination game to send the game, to just to send the game to overtime, not even to win it. Uh, and then... Saka has it saved. Italy wins. And there's immediately a lot of questions about uh, why Saka was put in that position because there were a lot of other players, a lot of other players who could have taken it. What's Gareth Southgate, what's his NBA coaching comp? Oh, I don't even know. Like, like Doc Rivers, maybe? That's exactly the name I was thinking of. Like a, like an objectively, or maybe not object, but like a, if if you're an England fan and you're listening to this, it's not objective at all. Like I think he's a fine tactical coach. I didn't have any problem with the style of football England played, uh, at least in the later stages. In the group stages, I was like, mm, I don't know, I don't know if I'm on board with everything you guys are doing. But uh, the lineup Southgate put out today, I was a really big fan of to start the game. Um, it's just like. The subbing and and the the personnel towards the end of the game, it's like, all right, we need to get uh, <laughs> fresh legs on the floor. Like this lineup is not working. Please put somebody else. And whether you're a Celtics, Clippers, 76ers fan, I'm sure you felt that at least once with Doc Rivers. The one thing I don't know if you can blame Southgate for, uh, I don't know if it's come out yet, how the penalty takers were decided um if it was like a volunteer a volunteer basis like it often is at at that level i don't know if it is on that stage like in a cup final game i don't know how typical it is but um because honestly it's either he decided that Sokka was going to be like beforehand that Sokka was going to take the penalty in that spot uh maybe he didn't think they'd even get to that spot that that kick taker but whatever it is man like the comp i had which again is not a like for like comparison i'm just trying to contextualize it as much as i can for for the nba fans on this podcast which is most of you otherwise i don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast unless yeah. you heard the word got around our reputation like to mix things <laughs> up a bit um imagine the lakers in like the play-in game against the Warriors, the one that went, uh, did that game go to extra time? Overtime? No. Oh, okay. Well, imagine a, a high-stakes game. Lakers go into overtime. Frank Vogel goes to his bench and says, all right, LeBron, AD, you're on the floor. Uh, Jared Dudley, Devontae Kaycock, Costa San Tacumpo, you're joining them. I need some fresh legs out there. You guys performed pretty well in the overtime simulated situations we did in practice. Uh, it's your time to shine. That is nuts. No coach in their right mind would do that. And again, not a like for like comparison. 
it's not like unusual for a player to be subbed on just to be a penalty taker or, you know, vice versa, a player to be subbed off because they're really poor penalty takers. Um, I think that kind of sparked something. Uh, maybe a more apt comparison is like the Lakers have the ball down three points mm-hmm. with like three or four seconds left. And Vogel goes to his bench and says, LeBron and AD are in. Then we're going to put in like KCP is probably one of them. Um, Wes Matthews and then Taylor Horton Tucker. Right. And then the play is going to end up with like LeBron inbounding and Taylor Horton Tucker is the one that gets the ball needing to hit a three pointer to win the game or to send it to overtime. And it's like, THT has been really exciting, but like he's good. If he, he's not a three point shooter, that was Sokka's first ever professional penalty. Um, so it would be, it was basically setting him up to fail. So it'd be like drawing up a three point play out of a timeout for THT. Like, Maybe it works. Maybe it goes in. Maybe he's now the most legendary, like, young player for the THT for the Lakers or Saka for England. If Saka converts that and they go on to win, like, he's, he's literally – he's never buying a drink for the rest right. of his life, and he's not even old enough to drink yet. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it doesn't go in, and now you're now they're set up to just be criticized. And it's like – it. THT would, based on percentages, probably not hit that three-pointer, and then there'd be a lot of criticism of THT. So, um, I go, going back to Southgate, this is less the uh, a comparison of him. I think Doc Rivers is a very apt comparison because Doc Rivers will set up teams going into his teams going into like games really well. But in game, he is he does not make adjustments. Like it is awful, and that is Southgate. Like I thought tactically, he set England up well. Like even today, they were played. They were the better team for the first thirty minutes. Um, but then Italy adjusted, and England didn't. And Italy just wore them down, and eventually scored, and um, obviously won the game. The problem is like. England played this really defensive style when they had a whole bunch of offensive talent. Um, They didn't use arguably like their second best player for and Jaden Sancho for the pretty much the whole tournament. Um, And I was discussing this on Twitter earlier because it just really boggled my mind because some of you may have heard of Jaden Sancho because he just transferred to Manchester United mm-hmm. for an absurd amount of money. Um, that might've been a name. A lot of you have seen if you're not a soccer fan, um, he just didn't play this tournament for no real good reason. Um, so I was kind of discussing this on Twitter today and um, Norm Karnick had a great comparison, which it would be like if, Steve Kerr with those Warriors teams just decided he was going to play like he was playing in the 1980s or like get the game was played in the 1980s instead of like trying to play this uh, three-point shooting offensive barrage he was going to be like defense wins championships and we're going to play with post players and anchor down the paint mm-hmm. and 
honestly, those Warriors teams probably still would have went far because they had such an absurd amount of talent, but that they, they probably weren't going to win a title playing like that. And I mean, that's also on top. I mean, if you want to take this comparison a step further, he would also only use Kevin Durant for like one shift a game in this scenario. Uh, assuming Curry is your best player, or vice versa, Curry or Durant, he would only use one of them mm-hmm. for like ten minutes a game. And um, those Warriors teams were so talented that it may not have mattered, and they probably still would have went far. But that's what this England team was. They were a super talented team that uh, were set up. I thought, especially, especially like you said in the group stages, it was pretty obvious they weren't going to play an attacking style of soccer. Which, again, especially in soccer, defense wins titles, but ultimately, they never really scored. <laughs> Aside from one game, they just never really. It was a lot of get one goal and then just shut it down, and that's what they tried to do today, and it didn't work. And then it ultimately backfired by the end of the by the end of the game. This was fun for us. Yes. I don't know if it was fun for anybody <laughs> else, but honestly, it is the off season. I wanted to talk about it at length with my good friend Jacob. Um, and on, honestly, like again, comparing any two sports is really hard. Um, yeah. But given our knowledge of the two sports, um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a fun thing to do. We'll see how everybody responds to it. Um, We will give you a basketball focus. (laughs) Eventually, if you, I don't, if you listen this long, it may not even matter, and you may not want it. But I, we will give you a basketball focus podcast. And trust, we'll title this appropriately so people know what they're walking into. We're not going to bait it like. Three trade targets the Lakers can go after, or like <laughs> a scoop with Alex Caruso and why he's resigning. Um, that would be incredible, but I'm not going to do that. Um, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this day in Lakers history. So we BRB. Today, July 11th, is the day the Lakers made a trade. That will go down as one of the best trades they made in history. And I am not talking about Mike Muscala for Ivica Zubats. I am not talking about um, Svima Kailuk in a second for Reggie Bullock. Both, I believe, happened at the same trade deadline. Um, I am talking, of course, about the draft day trade that sent Vladi Divac to to the Charlotte Hornets uh, and Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bean Bryant to the Los Angeles Lakers to quote my good friend, Hani Amadian. Um, there's a lot that's come out about that trade. Um, like the fact that Kobe Bryant allegedly fabricated the story about the Hornets not wanting him as a way to get to LA. Well, regardless of, how or why it happened. What a revolving doors moment for the Lakers. Cause they had Shaq in the bag. Like that, that was clear, but man, a, a player, a rookie that you traded for a good center for 
to go on and be with your team for 20 years and win five championships. Like, what are the odds? What are the odds you sniff out a rookie and he ends up panning out for you the way that is? Like, it's it's crazy. The more... I've always thought... I mean, we can talk about the Lakers in a second. Does Kobe become the same type of all-time great if he just stays in Charlotte? Um... I mean, I guess it depends on, like, I, I'm i trying to think of, it would be hard to consider him an all-time great if he doesn't win early on. Like, mm-hmm. for all of the accomplishments Kobe Bryant has, I think part of the reason he's in that all-time great conversation is because a lot of the success he had was relatively early on. Like, within the first five years of his career, he was already a really accomplished player, multiple all-star games, multiple championships. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if the Hornets had that talent to put him in a position to like, to do that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't disagree. It's hard to sometimes like put into context how good he was at the start of his career. Um, and as you said, to be kind of one of those all-time greats, you have to be really good in really big moments really early in your career. A 22-year-old Kobe, or excuse me, 21-year-old Kobe won his first title in that Pacers series. I There's not even really a comparison, like, to present day because, like, maybe Devin Booker is kind of closest. He's 24. Like... The, I don't even really know. I was gonna, I was gonna try to look up just to see. It would be like a Zion Williamson, a John Morant. Um, I was trying to look up twenty-one-year-old NBA players, guys like that. Um, being in like being in the finals, and I always think back to that. that the game where Shaq fouled out, um, I think we did one of those rewatchable things on it last off season or last summer. Um, that was kind of his coming out party. That that would be a Zion, a John Morant, somebody of that age. R.J. Barrett, I think, is twenty one. Somebody of that age having that moment um, in the current finals, and it's just not. It just doesn't happen. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He certainly, I think talent wise would have always been as good as he was. He was always going to work hard. Um, but yeah, I don't know that he would have ever really been in that tier that he is now Mm -hmm. because he just wouldn't have had the like team success to get there. Yeah, the 1996-97 Hornets roster was headlined by Glenn Rice, Anthony Mason, Del Curry, Vlade, and uh, Ricky Pierce were the top five leading scorers on that team. Only two players on that team averaged more than 15 points per game, and that was Anthony Mason and Glenn Rice. Um it's not a shack on that team. 
I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> There's uh, a shack on many teams. <laughs> uh it would have been but, it would have been interesting for the Lakers also because they did still have pieces. Uh I mean Eddie Jones is like a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Um and he was really good. And he was really good after he left the Lakers when they were winning titles. Um I don't know. I mean, obviously he wasn't Kobe good. Would he have been good enough? The year that the Lakers won the title, he averaged 20 points in uh, with Charlotte. Um, Shaq was so good that that first year, they probably still could have won a title. Um, I don't know that they would have done it against Sacramento. I don't know. It, it's really interesting. I think Shaq was so good. And Eddie Jones was good enough, and they were such a well-oiled machine that I think they probably could have still won one title. Mm-hmm. But there certainly is—I don't think any way they get a three a three-peat during those during that period. A pick they didn't have, like, yeah, they needed to move into the lottery to draft Kobe Bryant, and the Hornets. We're so high on Kobe that they wasn't do the trade. And Vlade threatened retirement. Everything, everything needed to go right for that trade to get to get through. And it did. And it was the it was a gamble at the time, but in hindsight, you do that trade every time. 20 years with one franchise, five championships. Vlade even said he'd do the trade. Well, yeah, and the other thing is like you mentioned it being a gamble. Nowadays, it's – I just went through puberty there. Nowadays, it's uh, it's a lot more commonplace to take a, a risk on a teenager, an 18-year-old. That was not remotely the case in 1996. That was a massive, uh, massive gamble to trade your starting center for an 18-year-old lottery pick um, who – had some attitude concerns is a nice way of putting that. Uh Um, I mean, he was already trying to force his way to one team anyway. So there were some concerns there. So that was a huge risk. Like, I don't know that Jerry West gets enough credit for that. Right. If you guys haven't like just one more thing, if you guys haven't read Jeff Perlman's book from, I think it was from last year. It was called Three Ring Circus. It was about those three-peat teams, but he goes into how those teams were formed and whatnot. Um, Yeah, Jerry West does not get enough credit for the team he put together. I was going to say, I don't even know if they do that trade without Jerry's stamp of approval. If it it weren't for Jerry saying, like, we need to trade up for this guy. I know. (laughs) I know hoop. We need to trade up for this guy. (laughs) I know ball. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there were a lot of powerful voices that were behind Kobe in that regard and drafting him. That's a fair point though. If, if they didn't have, if the, if it were different people vouching for him, Mm -hmm. they probably don't make that deal either. So happy Kobe and Vlade day. (laughs) Happy. uh, I don't know. Forza Italia day. It's been a, uh, go, um, 
pat a Hornets fan on the back and <laughs> tell them sorry for not having uh, a decade of Kobe Bryant in their lives. I mean, they, you know, they have Lamelo and Cody Zeller. <laughs> That's the second time inside of three months that somebody's compared Lamelo and Kobe. Uh, stop doing that. Uh, but yeah, they have they have a fun enough team right now, but. It's not Kobe Bryant. There was only one Kobe, and we got to experience him for, as you said, 20 years. So, uh, yeah, happy Kobe Vlade. Well, I guess a day late. Happy belated Kobe Vlade. (laughs) Uh, That'll do it for this week's show. We will catch up with you guys again next week.